Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Crosswires. It's James here and today we're talking about a topic that's really near to my heart uh, or in this case actually really near to the lighting rig I have set up and all my smartphone home automation stuff. We're going to be talking about HomeKit, which is Apple's home automation framework and, you know, it's taken a while to develop. There's not necessarily been the wide support that us Apple fans would like, but I have an absolute authority on the matter with me today. He not only knows HomeKit, he does a podcast about HomeKit. Would you all please welcome to the show Stephen Robles from the HomeKit Insider podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Did I pronounce your surname correctly? Because that's always one thing I'm trying to get better at with guests. You know, I think you did. I think you said Robles or something like yeah. that. It's, but yeah, that, that was it. Like a Z at the end. So yeah, very good. Nice. Okay. Awesome. So, Stephen, thank you again for joining us. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Maybe, you know, what's your background? Where did your interest in HomeKit start? And, of course, this is your chance to promote anything you want to. <laughs> well, you know, I grew up in New York here in the States, and I loved music and musical theater when I was younger. But I was also always a nerd. You know, I was always on the computer, either playing games or just being techie. Uh, building little robots, you know, when I was younger. But I studied music in college because I thought that's what I wanted to do kind of long term. And I did it for a little while, but really got into technology and the creative space. And then I've been podcasting for a long time, I think over 12 years, you know, from doing just a solo podcast in my attic to starting the Apple Insider podcast in 2015. And now HomeKit Insider, which is just over two years old. And I do YouTube channel Bearded Teacher is my YouTube channel where I try to teach people about technology and Apple stuff and podcasting because it's now so easier. Well, it's much easier now to get involved in this space, especially podcasting, the tools for recording remotely and just the ease of editing. So, yeah, I love all of it. Because I know, correct me if I'm wrong, I know that behind the scenes, I think we're both Ferrite editors, if I remember correctly. Oh, I love Ferrite, 100%. That's where I edit multiple shows every week. And uh, I just am so much faster with the Apple Pencil and Ferrite on the iPad. So love it, love it. It just that power to be able to effectively say, no, I don't like that little bit. Let's just scribble that out with our Apple Pencil. And then the tools it has for export, it really is a powerful tool. And um, so it's good to have something in common of course, as well as HomeKit. So let, let's dive into sort of HomeKit, HomeKit's humble origin story. It, it started off with a lot of hype from Apple, as most Apple products do. Yeah, it, it wasn't even like an app at first. You know, HomeKit was the framework, and you would have some HomeKit-enabled devices, and then, you know, finally the app in the early stages, limited device support, and it's come... A long way compared to that, but it still also has a long way to go, especially when you look at the competitors like from Amazon and Google, the device categories and some of the features there. But I'm very happy with with where it's come and I use it exclusively. I don't have uh, any Amazon assistants or Google assistants as speakers in the house. I do have a couple Sonos with the uh, Amazon assistant turned off, but that's just because Apple stopped making that big HomePod, which I'm still a little salty about, and I'm hoping a larger yeah. HomePod comes back. But all HomeKit here in this house, and uh, you know, recently just built this house, and so I really got to retrofit it how I wanted to. And so there's a lot of HomeKit, HomeKit switches and plugs and lights and all that. That's awesome. And I think, what is it fair to say, and this has certainly been my stance, that the reason that I've I've certainly chosen to go all HomeKit is for that privacy and security aspect that HomeKit brings because there's no real cloud component to HomeKit beyond the Siri 
side of it if you're using Siri. But Siri's not the element that is the how might is the brains behind the home kit. It's just an interface to home kit. Right. Whereas your home kit stuff is all local. It's all handled between devices. And, you know, now, I was going to say it used to be the case that you could use an iPad as a home, home kit hub, but that's changed or is changing, I believe, in iOS 16. Yeah, it's going to be a little different. Apple was not very clear on whether or not, you know, the iPad. They're saying you can still use an iPad as a home hub come iPad OS 16, but some of the architecture or features will not be available if you continue to do that. And I imagine that has something to do with Matter, the smart home standard, that when that finally launches, then maybe the iPad won't be supporting that, so you'll need an Apple TV or HomePod Mini. But I do use Apple HomeKit and HomeStuff because of the security and privacy. I also find for however much you know, you can knock on the Apple Home app and say it's not great, if you've ever tried to use Amazon's app or the Echo app to manage Amazon smart home devices, it's really not good either. And I would say it's much worse. And so I would say when it comes to using a single app to manage your smart home, Google, I think, is in second place. The Google Home app is pretty good. But I do think Apple is doing a good job of building an app and a framework with automations, especially now with shortcuts, where I think it is it is really... I don't know about leading, but it is, I think, making a great product for smart home users, making it easy, too, for new smart home users to get in there and powerful for those who use smart home devices for a while. And, of course, one of the huge advantages is we, when you're using a HomeKit app, as a HomeKit device, you don't have to go and sign up for loads of new accounts with the cloud provider because, typically, you can just scan the HomeKit code and it's in your device. My parents have admittedly limited HomeKit. They have uh, LG TV is HomeKit enabled. They have a HomePod Mini. And they have two... I think I got them a ridiculously cheap Hue starter pack just for white ambience oh, yeah. bulbs. Uh, and just put those into the lounge. And Oh, and they've got a, a Honeywell... Thermostat? Yeah, we've got a Honeywell Thermostat. I can't remember exactly which one it is. It's a square... Mm-hmm. Uh, square one, but when they got the, the central heating boiler and hot water boiler they replaced, they said, oh, we're offering as a smart thermostat. I said, okay, choose HomeKit, because then we can make it work with all your devices, because by you know by law, my parents have to have Apple devices. There's no other way for are <laughs> not allowed any other devices in my house. That's right, that's right. You know, it's funny, my dad asked me about the, uh, I don't know where he heard about it, I think it was the one phone you know that new phone from i forget the manufacturer but it's like supposed to be some new oh is that a phone one yeah like the little like the number or whatever and so he was asking me about it and i said dad you can't do that you know don't don't use that i you know you just you don't want to do that uh he's still actually on an iphone 10 and uh, he hasn't upgraded in a minute so i'm I'm thinking it's about time he might be time for that iphone 14 upgrade this fall we'll see it could be fun yeah so you talked a little bit about some of the uh, restrictions in terms of device types. Now, I've seen a, a, a nice increase, but there are things that just aren't in HomeKit yet. Can you sort of highlight maybe some of the things that are maybe very clearly missing from HomeKit's device types at the moment? You know, robot vacuums is a big one. If it's a Roomba or Roborock, I've had Roombas in the past, and they can work with some 
voice assistants, like again, Amazon's assistant integrates there, but not HomeKit. And so you can kind of hack it through HomeBridge if you're familiar with that. And I did that with a Roomba. It was very complicated. I had to install Windows and Parallels. Like it was a mess, but I got it to work and it did. Uh, so Robot Vacuums is one. And then just kind of these like weird device types, like a faucet, smart faucet. I think it's a uh, Delta or, um, starts with a K, one of the kitchen appliance type makers. Oh, uh, Kohler. Kohler, thank you. Yeah, they make a smart faucet where it actually works with HomeKit, but only for on and off. But if you use something like Amazon's Assistant, you can tell it, fill this pot with four cups of water, and it will actually measure out the four cups in the smart faucet and just fill it. So you can actually use those kind of individual, uh, you know, sizes. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know what cups are in the UK. You guys probably don't use that. What's what's the liquid you'd measurements? You'd be surprised. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised because a lot okay. of our recipe books do say, but typically we, well, our measuring system is a mess. We'll say even milliliters or pints. Or liters. It yeah, very right, much right. depends what you're talking about. Right, which is so strange because um, soda bottles here in the US is liters, uh, but... And then I think monitor sizes, like if you want to buy a computer monitor in the UK, it's inches, it's inches you know, <laughs> so I don't get, I don't get it. But, uh, but don't but you yeah. also have like soda bottles in fluid ounces as well? Or, or when you buy new drinks yes. from your like McDonald's? And... Yeah, yeah. Or even like the soda can is in fluid ounces. You know, this is, I'm there holding one. It's a 12 fluid oh, yeah, ounces. Fit. So you see, I've yeah. just noticed something there. You get five extra milliliters than we do on the same oh, can size. Oh, interesting. Ours are 330. Yeah, well, yeah, milliliters is on there too. Again, which is hilarious, yeah. you know. So, but anyway, <laughs> because none of the viewers can see this, um, but yeah, there yeah. we go, viewers, listeners. I'm so used to video equating YouTube. Now this is a podcast, James. Come that's on. right, that's right. Yes, I was holding up but a Zevia a- can. Yeah. Ah, but this is but this is a really good point because, as you said, the home kit element for that smart faucet is just a turn it on, turn it off. I'm going to assume that things like um, smart showers, which I love the concept of, yeah. that's just sheer laziness. <laughs> but but let's right? see, so so in our new home, we have a uh, instant hot water heater. You know, so there's not a tank; it heats it as it goes. But it does take a little bit for the water to get hot. And so I have a home kit scene where I'll say I'm taking a shower, and it turns on the fan in the bathroom, it turns on the lights, and you know it sets some things up. And I would love for the shower to be able to turn on in that same scene. And yeah. so it can heat up because it takes a minute. Uh, but again, those kinds of things, again, HomeKit just needs to add these device categories because it's not like the manufacturers don't want it. It's just that it's not a device category available in the HomeKit framework just yet. Right. And there's things like, you know, you're not necessarily getting the same sort of feedback as well. So, for example, your, say, for example, your smart washing machine. Yeah, washing machine is another example, yep. Yeah, you could again a binary on off with some sort of smart switch. But you know, for me, I'd like to know when my washing's done because I want to come and take it out. Now, you know, again, that's it. Or you know, for example, I would love it. I've I've got an espresso machine. I love coffee is one of my very strong passions. Yes, I would love to be able to say, "Hey, Susan, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. May, grind so much coffee for me." And heat the heat the espresso machine up, or heat the yeah. you know heat the um, uh, turn on the kettle. Yeah, you might remember I, I solved that one for grinding beans uh, with a shortcut that it would turn on my bean grinder with a smart plug. I had a Wemo smart plug connected to my bean grinder, and okay. when I 
And when I activated the shortcut, it would grind, but after two minutes, it would shut off. And that was the perfect amount, so it didn't overflow, and it would, uh, but it was the right amount. And so that was the way. But again, it would be great if HomeKit could do that. And also things like uh, power consumption plugs, you know, the Eve Energy and some of the other smart plugs, they have information available, but you have to go to the Maker's app to see that information because HomeKit doesn't surface that in the Home app. When you're using the device in the Home app for on and off, and you know for weather stations, you might be able to get like temperature, but there's a bunch of other information like the Natatma weather station only offers it in the app and not Home. And so that's on Apple. You know, if Apple just could build this stuff into HomeKit, it'd be great. And every WWDC, I'm like, what are they going to add? And this year it was like Matter again which who knows if it's ever going to come. And then, you know, new architecture for the home app, which is great. The new home app is nice. I play with it on my iPad, but still no device categories, no more features really being built into the home app. And so, I don't know, I really hope Apple focuses again on really building that framework for manufacturers to build devices and uh, to give us more control over the devices we already have. Absolutely. But one thing I love about having um, HomeKit-enabled TVs and mm. like the Apple TV and um, fun fact for everyone, the 20, no, it's £24. I'm going to guess about $30. $30 Roku Express is HomeKit enabled. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. HomeKit and AirPlay 2 enabled, which I didn't know until mm. I got it. I think it was a recent update. But if your device support, if your TV itself supports HDMI CEC, which I know is a bugbear for some people. However, if it works as it is intended, you can then effectively say to Susan, that's, by the way, we're now calling Siri Susan for the rest yeah, yeah, of the yeah, show. Yeah, 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 I got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just checking. So if, everyone, so if everyone's got a smart assistant called Susan, I do apologize for activating your random Chinese smart assistant. Right, right. Um, but you can then say, hey, Susan, turn on the bedroom TV because all it's doing is powering on the Roku or powering on the Apple TV and yeah. sending the uh, HDMI signal through, which is really cool. Yeah, and that's also um, another, this is actually device category supported, but TVs and home theater receivers, I've had an uh, issue with. My, I have an LG TV as well, supposedly has HomeKit, and I don't know if you recall the story, but every time I tried to pair my LG TV with HomeKit, it would show the QR code on screen, and every time I went to scan it, it would change. It was the most bizarre thing I'd ever seen. The HomeKit code would change every time I tried to scan it. Very frustrating. Never got to add it to HomeKit. That's bizarre. And that's not on Apple. That's on LG. There, there's something weird in the software. And, you know, they're not probably the, the best software makers. I mean, they're making smart TVs. So, you know, but it, it was just weird, weird stuff like that. I had completely the opposite experience with my parents' TV. It was set mm. up in minutes. And, you know, it's the thing they love about it is AirPlay. Now, AirPlay, AirPlay works. And then, yeah, again, okay. this is... This is a distinction. You know, there are some devices that have AirPlay support. Like I have a home theater receiver. It's a Denon receiver, and it supports AirPlay too. So I can stream music to it, no problem, That no pairing or anything. But it's different to have that built-in HomeKit support. And I was hoping for a receiver with that, but those choices are few and far between, or they're very, very expensive. And so, again, that's one of those categories when you get to home theater. I would love to see more options, especially more budget-friendly options when it comes to receivers and things like that. 
Absolutely. And and things like, again, you know, having more controls for the TV. So being able to change the volume on your TV or say, actually, this TV works with this receiver. So when I press, when I say, hey, Susan, turn up the TV volume, it's actually turning up the receiver volume. It's, it's little things like that that would be great. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Matter. Now, Matter is a new sort of framework for correct me if i'm wrong smart home or smart homes so yeah. smart home devices and the idea is it's <laughs> let's see if this actually happens is meant to be cross compatible you're meant to be able to buy one smart home device and have it work with your platform of choice be that home kit be that google home be that alexa or random other little things and from the sort of publicity stuff it looks great because you know tp link are coming on board um obviously we've got big players in there already who were early adopters of fred like nano leaf and eve yeah but what does matter mean for future home kit does that mean we're going to start having more devices available to us or the devices that we may be on how should we say this on the more affordable range will start if they support matter they'll almost get a free upgrade to be able to support HomeKit. Yeah, this is one of the unclear things. Like, how is this actually going to work? Matter is going to be where, like, Eve. So Eve says they're going to support Matter. So if you get a smart plug, which probably is already HomeKit compatible, but let's say it's Matter compatible, that means that if you have an Amazon Assistant or a Google Assistant, that they support Matter as well. You can use that plug with any Assistant you want. Now, the Matter spec, or at least like version 1.0, it's not really adding any more device categories or abilities. It's actually pretty limited. There's no cameras in there. It's really just like plugs, light switches, and a couple other things. And so whether or not this is actually going to bring more devices into HomeKit, I think is yet to be seen. If Apple supports Matter, and they say just anything that has the Matter symbol can be added to HomeKit, then maybe, maybe TP-Link makes a light switch or a plug, it says it's Matter certified. They didn't have to go through the HomeKit process for certification, which can be a little laborious and time-consuming. And so ideally, like you can bring that TP-Link plug that supports Matter, add it to your Apple Home app because your Apple Home supports Matter, and now you have access to a device you wouldn't have had before. That's kind of the dream. That's what we're hoping for. But again, I joke on the HomeKit Insider podcast, I believe it when I see it. You know, we're already a year delayed. Now we're six more months delayed. It's supposed to come out this fall as we record, 2022. Uh, But I I don't know if it's going to be a huge impact for HomeKit users at the start. You're not going to get more device categories. You're probably not going to get any more uh, abilities in your current devices. You just might get a few more options for switches, plugs, and things like that. I mean, it's a new human nail in my head, but there's no camera support. And, you know, cameras and doorbells are, there are some good options in HomeKit, but correct me if I'm wrong, at the moment, there are no battery-powered HomeKit Secure Video doorbells. Correct. HomeKit Secure Video is Apple's proprietary cloud video storage. And so my doorbell, which is the Logitech Circle View, that's a HomeKit Secure Video device. And in order to be HomeKit Secure Video, it has to be constantly plugged into power and connected to Wi-Fi. Now, you can get HomeKit cameras like the Arlo cameras, and you can view those cameras in the Home app when you use their hub, but it doesn't record to iCloud. So that means you have to pay for the Arlo subscription service if you want recordings. So I would love to see battery-powered cameras in HomeKit Secure Video 
again, that's dependent on Apple kind of loosening its grip a little bit on its standards for connectivity, security, and all that. So remains to be seen. I think that's something they could do in the future. They might say now battery-powered or solar-powered uh, devices are able to be added, but but we'll see. That, I'd be I'd love to see that. And you know, you've obviously worked with a lot of HomeKit devices and sorry, a lot of um, smart home devices over the time. HomeKit, the HomeKit video stuff, from what I've seen, it does look like one of the better implementations, particularly when you've got things like the Apple TV pop-up. Now, obviously, oh, yeah. on the higher end, you've got things like Ubiquiti, um, uh, Unify Protect, yep. which I think you can integrate into HomeKit through HomeBridge, but it's going to be one of those janky... No, yeah. don't, don't do I've that. Not, I've not had good luck with cameras over HomeBridge into HomeKit uh, because I had a video doorbell from a security system, Vivint, here in the United States. I got the security system into the Home app using HomeBridge so I can arm and disarm the system. I could even see the contact sensors in the Home app from the security system using HomeBridge. But that doorbell camera, I could never really get it to connect and reliably be in the Home app. So I would recommend don't use HomeBridge for cameras specifically, although I've heard good things about the Ubiquity system. Yeah, me too. Um, and I know I don't think I don't know about Synology stuff. This is all stuff that I need to get a budget to be able to play with, you know. So <laughs> I just just got my Synology a uh, long time. You know, heard the guys on the ATP podcast talk about Synology. Other people talk about it, and it was finally time. We were in this new house. I'm doing a lot more video work, and so you know, made the investment and love the Synology uh, for network attached storage for running my Plex server, and uh, yeah, it's pretty great. Plex is one of those other things that I could do a whole episode on Plex. I, yes. It's just such a great solution for, for movie streaming of your your personal Netflix, basically. It is it is super fast. And, you know, someone was asking me on Twitter, like, why, you know, why are you ripping DVDs? And it's like, well, sometimes some content you can only get on a little plastic disc. And uh, for me, uh, my wife loved the series Anne of Green Gables. There's like several versions of this series, but she enjoyed the 1980s version. And you can't stream it. You can only get it on a DVD. And so that's one of the things I ripped, put it into Plex. And man, so fast to stream it from Plex over my Synology, even when I'm out of the house. You know, you can stream it and it can even be accessible remotely so fast. So it's an incredible product. And one of the coolest features, this is a little bit of a HomeKit diversion away from HomeKit, but one of the coolest features, I don't know if you've tried it, is the Watch Together features. Oh, I did not know Plex had that. Okay. Yeah, it's awesome. So me and uh, co-host Frasley, I'm introducing Frasley to British comedy at the moment, which is a very important mission. Yep, so I introduced yep. a thing to like Red Dwarf and British Empire, uh, you know, true classics and, and Blackadder, Black Books. And we can just do Watch Day because I've invited her to my um, Plex home. And obviously there's no Plex integration into HomeKit, but... One of the things I really like about my HomeKit setup is, is things like the scenes and the automation. You touched on this earlier. So, actually, when I come in to record this show, um, although, you know, especially when we're doing, I'm doing YouTube stuff, I have a scene set up in HomeKit called Crosswise, and it just sets all the colours of the lights. It sets the right brightness for everything, apart from one little filming light, which I can't yet automate because, you know, budget. But it's. Just, do you think one of the selling points for home automation is not just the 
control from your smartphone, but the scheduling, the automation, the, the, the genuinely smart stuff. So uh, another example is I have a f- little fly trap plugged into, actually plugged into an Eve Energy. It's one of the older Bluetooth-only Eve Energies, not the new fancy Fred one. Yeah. But I have it set up so that at, say, about 10 o'clock at night when, you know, there's more light coming out and flies and maybe coming in, I have it set to turn on and then turn off again two hours later because I don't need it on all night, especially in this energy crisis. Yeah, and I have some automation set up here in the studio because, again, I got to kind of build this how I was hoping to. And, you know, I record a lot of video content and being able to automate that process so it's quick to get started and quick to then revert back to non-filming is critical because it's such a barrier uh, if you're going to have to spend 30 minutes or even an hour setting everything up. And so I have my key fill and hair light all on smart plugs so those are automated i have eve motion blinds on the window with a blackout shade so that comes down automatically i have a a smart plug for my camera that's plugged into usb-c i'm actually using it right now and so whenever i say let's make a video to my home assistant the camera starts charging because that turned on all the lights turn on all the colored lights including hue, e-flare, all that turns on. My ceiling fan is on a Lutron switch, and so the ceiling fan turns off because otherwise you're going to hear that motor running in the background. And so being able to just say one phrase and the entire room is ready to record a video or a podcast, it really helps a lot. You know, When you add up all the time it would have taken to, to do every individual thing, it's, uh, it makes a big difference. And now we've, as an aside, we've obviously got a combination of shortcuts and scenes. Because oh, yeah. uh, Audio Hijack 4 supports shortcuts, you could even just sit yourself down and say, record my podcast, and Audio Hijack will start recording for you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's I have a stream deck also here on my desk, and I have a couple buttons where if I'm going to record HomeKit Insider or Apple Insider, I can press a button and Audio Hijack opens, Apple Notes opens to the folder where I have the notes for recording that episode. The browser opens to Riverside where I'm going to record the show and uh, all of that just in the press of a button. And again, makes a big difference because then I know I can walk into this room with two minutes until recording time and that's actually plenty of time to get ready. I don't have to worry about uh, you know leaving 30 minutes to get everything set up. I could be recording in just a couple minutes. And and that's the whole point of smart home technology, isn't it, to make things more convenient. And I, I joked, I think, on a previous episode about has tech become too complicated, and we joked about things like smart kettles. Well, you know, on the face of things, a smart kettle seems one of the laziest inventions ever because you still have to go and actually pour the water. But you could be coming home from, you know, maybe a, a walk or something, and you're like, okay, when I get in, I need a cup of coffee, I need a cup of tea. And you can just say, you know, turn it on. So there are advantages to using it. As, as lazy it sounds, I mean, you know, I, I joked about the washing machine earlier. Unfortunately, there isn't anything yet out there that can pick up the clothes from my hamper and put them in the washing machine. We're not <laughs> quite at that. Then or, I, you know. I would jump on that smart home integration. Of course, but, yeah, right? Know, one of the great combinations I like is having a garage door opener. I use the Maris... Uh, HomeKit garage door adapter because my motor wasn't smart, but you can get that $50 Maris adapter. Your garage is automated. And then I put a Logitech Circle View camera in the garage as well so I can see anything that comes in and leaves. And so if you ever have someone coming to work on the house, maybe they're coming for a repair, and if no one's home, 
you know, having that repair guy come, it's critical that you get them to work on the thing right then. Because if they leave, it could be weeks before they come back. And so for them to say, hey, I'm here. Is anybody home? I can open the garage door from my phone, jump into the camera to make sure it is who it is, you know, who they say they are that's coming in through the garage. They can get their work done and I can see them leave through the camera and then close the garage. And just that simple combination of giving someone access to the home who needs it, being able to see so so you have security, and then being able to close it up when they leave. Just that simple combo is pretty useful. That's really cool. And I've got to say, Meros, um, some of the stuff that they've got on market, it's very affordable, and it looks like there's one of the devices now. I don't. I think they've got a US version of this, but it's a, um, an extension strip, a power bar. Yep. I yep. Love, the, and love the concept of that. Yeah, and, you know, Maris, we kind of um, gave him a hard time on HomeKit Insider at first because it was buggy initially, especially their garage door openers, you know, had connectivity issues and things like that. But I will say they've uh, improved, and their garage door opener has been rock solid for me. It works every time, even through, you know, a cinder block wall. You know, there's just a doorway, and so not great Wi-Fi, but it still works. And I've been using their switches uh, because they're three-way compatible, and they're the most inexpensive three-way switches that I could have found. They're not dimmers, just on-off, but they work great. They're reliable, and uh, they work in the three-way circuit. That's really cool. That's um, It's one thing I can't do in this property, unfortunately, is do any switches or wall sockets because it's a rental property. Yeah, uh, it's the same reason this place doesn't have a complete ubiquity network because I can't start drilling <laughs> holes and putting access points in. I think right. my landlady might have something to say about that one. Sure, sure. But you you know your mention of your garage door setup which is a really cool way to do that automation you can you know you can say oh you know open the garage door but you can use cameras and everything like that but HomeKit and Apple recently added some very cool stuff in the last couple of years to HomeKit with regards to the home the keys functionality and when it comes to smart locks can you tell us a little bit about that, how that's sort of evolved and how smart locks in combination with, are they just calling it home keys or? Yeah, home key is Apple's feature where it'll use the NFC, the near field communication chip in your phone or even your Apple watch to unlock your door, your door lock. If you have a home key enabled door lock, you know, it used to be if you were had an August lock or even a level lock, it would use Bluetooth where if it sensed that your device was nearby, it would maybe unlock by itself, but it wasn't as reliable. HomeKey is great because NFC is much more reliable as a connection. Again, it can be used on the Apple Watch or iPhone, and you can even share that HomeKey with friends and family members temporarily. The issue is there's only one lock, at least here in the United States, that supports HomeKey, which is the Schlage um, Encode Plus, and it's been out of stock and unavailable forever. And so it would be great when more home key locks become available. But it's an awesome feature. And because it goes back to that scenario. So say, for example, you've got a cleaner coming in. Yeah. And you're on vacation or holidays, as Brits call it. Yeah, yeah You yeah. could say, I assume with these home keys, you can do timed access. You've maybe got family coming to stay. Uh, it's a great concept. And I've seen, you know, tools like it. There's, um, unfortunately, it's not HomeKit, but there's a wonderful little, um, it's called, I don't know if it's still being made, but it's called Nello One, or was called Nello One. And the mm. idea is it would interface with the door access control, you know, the phone system that apartment buildings right. have. Right. So that you could answer the door and let people, let service people in. Because, for example, my building's got a trade entrance, you know, to allow deliveries and stuff. 
but for some insane reason it's only enabled up until 1pm. And in this modern world, since when did Amazon deliver anything before the most inconvenient time possible, right? <laughs> yeah, I, well, we got an Amazon delivery at 3 in the morning the other day because, you know, we have a lot of you can individual delivery drivers because you could just sign up to deliver Amazon packages even if you're not an employee. So 3 in the morning, that has been the weirdest time we got a package delivered. Did they ring the doorbell? They did not. My father... Or, or um, I'm trying to think. Somebody was in the house at the time because they were staying over, and uh, they they heard the car. They didn't hear the doorbell, but they heard the car, and so they went to check, and that's how they knew it was a three in the morning uh, thing. Yeah, but mine boggles there because that could have just been taken at any point overnight. That's just yeah. Thank, thankfully, we live in a pretty rural area, but that is one of the reasons too why a doorbell camera is uh, pretty useful for things like that. You know, for packages, package detection is built into HomeKit, which is great, so your camera can recognize a package. So yeah, I recommend. Absolutely. You know, going forward, as we look into the rest of 2022 and 2023 going forward, are there any HomeKit, uh, either stuff that's been announced that's going to be matter or stuff that's been specifically announced for uh, for HomeKit? Because I know, for example, uh, you and my HomeKit Insider had a wonderful interview. It must have been, I think it was last year, with the team at Eve, who are such a wonderful bunch of people. Um, I didn't realize, well, I did realize, but of course they used to be Elgato, part of Elgato. Yes, and uh, Eve makes great stuff, and uh, I would love for them to make a dimmer switch. Uh, you know, they're a European company, and so I guess dimmer switches aren't as big of a deal over there. <laughs> so, no, we, which is we like our bright, we like our lights either off and pitch dark, or the thousand watt bulb. blinding bright. Yeah, uh, that was that was a fascinating uh, discovery. I didn't realize that. So it'd be great if they made a dimmer switch. But yeah, I'm excited for what they'll do. Again, it's really dependent on Apple adding more device categories, so companies like Eve can make them. Um, you know what I'm excited about matter, you know, mm, not, not so much at the moment, you know, we'll see what, what happens with it. Um, I'm hopeful that it maybe opens the door to more smart home accessibility to more people. Uh, but I'm excited for more device categories and for this rumored mythical Apple home device that maybe it's a larger home pod. Maybe it's a screen and home pod combination. I'm hoping for something like that because when it comes to home theater and high quality audio in the home, which we consider part of HomeKit, you know, because a home pod is a home hub, audio is important. You know, I hope Apple gets back in that high end audio game, maybe even into the home theater game, because right now it's Sonos. You know, Sonos yeah. is the option if you want really quality home theater and that's wireless, that supports things like AirPlay 2. They're kind of the only deal out there. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm on a wired, I'm on not only a wired soundbar, but a wired soundbar, but because of the nature of my TV, I have to do an um, optical to coax conversion in the yep. middle. <laughs> so there's a mess of cables behind my TV. I would love yep. to have some of the Sonos stuff. I, for me, one of the things I'm really excited about is uh, something I've not personally been able to play with yet is more of the sort of the effects lighting. So rather than just bulbs, everything I've got here is, is either bulbs or the, uh, the Hugo, uh, which is just backlighting a, a panel. But I would love to get my hands on some of the nano leaf panels and maybe I'd like to see HomeKit support more of the animation side that those nano leaves 
the Nano Leaf app can do. Because again, you can't really do fancy things like a fire, like a you know a, a candle flicker effect on HomeKit. It is very stat. I'd say it's, it's very static lighting. Yeah, and that's I actually have some of the Nano Leaf hexagons, and I set them up in my boys' room. And see what you can do is what companies like Philips Hue and Nanoleaf get around this limitation of HomeKit, where you can't control gradient lighting in HomeKit. HomeKit allows you to only choose one color for a smart light, and it won't do things like the patterns in Nanoleaf. Is you can go to the Nanoleaf app or the Hue app, create a scene that changes it to a particular gradient or pattern. And then you can use that scene in HomeKit to trigger that pattern or gradient. And the reason I discovered this, Andrew told me about it for Hue because I have a Hue sign floor lamp, which is gradient, and figured that out. But I, with my son, I gave the Nanoleaf panels to him for his room, and he was creating scenes with different patterns in the Nanoleaf app. And then uh, I don't know if... Again, our our I listeners see, yeah. will see it, but all these different scenes that are just in their room are all the different patterns of Nanoleaf uh, uh, things oh, that he programmed awesome. in the app. So it's it's a workaround, you know. It's possible, but I do agree it would be great if Apple again built in things like patterns for shapes or different gradient effects for things that already exist. You know, Hue and Govi and a bunch of products already exist that have gradient type effects. It'd be great to see that in the Home app. Oh, you know, for the Star Trek fans, you just can call out Red Alert and have everything appear like, you know, the Enterprise Bridge, and you just exactly. need your very own Patrick Stewart, and you're sorted. You That's know. it. That's it. That'd be nice. <laughs> so, obviously, you know, you do the HomeKit Insider podcast, and I highly recommend people listen to that. I was saying to Stephen pre-show, it's one of a few podcasts that is on my really must listen to this this show each week what would you say so far has been your absolute favorite interview with a smart home provider for HomeKit insider oh my goodness you know we've had a few we've had people from eve and thinka uh, we had jennifer tui from the verge who covers their smart home beat which was very fun you know we had someone who's involved in the thread group and we were really trying to dive into understanding thread and so that was interesting uh, but I will say, I, I forget his name. Uh, I wish I could remember right now. But our, the Thinka CEO and Thinka made a hub that can incorporate any Zigbee device into HomeKit. And Zigbee is uh, what many, many smart home devices use that are not HomeKit. And so it really opened the world of HomeKit to a bunch of things. And it's not HomeBridge. It is a, it is a hub but it is uh, you know, much more reliable than using something like HomeBridge. And so that was very fascinating. I think it's a great product. Hard to get uh, still, and it's not inexpensive. You know, It's several hundred dollars, but uh, that's a very interesting product. But Zigbee opens up a lot of scope because uh, at the moment, um, isn't all of Philips Hue's their actual bulbs are Zigbee? Yep, um, and and that's why you need a Hue hub to control it in HomeKit. And am I? Is it still the case? Uh, Philips changes because I know they flip flopped on this a lot. Can you still add Zigbee devices to a Hue Hub that are non-Philips? Oh, that is a good question. I am not sure. I know that the uh, the Hue app has several options for adding devices, but I'm, I'm not positive on the the non-Hue stuff. Yeah, I should test that out. In fact, actually, I think you can because I think my friend had a genius plan. He bought a second-hand Zigbee thing and then uh, sorry see uh, hue hub 
and then bought a Zigbee relay switch to add to his water heater because it was like an immersion water heater. So he wired the relay switch into the immersion heater so that he could on and off it through HomeKit. And from what I understand, it worked. Oh, there is one thing, one other category I wanted to very quickly talk about just because of the the fun you can have with it. Heating. Because, of course, we've talked about thermostats. But then you've actually got devices that are actual heaters. Like, the, I don't know if you have any mistakes, but Rio Arcs. I think we covered it on the HomeKit Insider podcast. But being that I live in Florida, uh, <laughs> we don't typically need any heat. You need, <laughs> no. the, you need the cooling side of things, right? Yes. Yeah. And so uh, that's why I do the Ecobee thermostats everywhere. And, you know, when you talk about some of my favorite devices, a smart thermostat makes a world of difference, uh, especially when you can schedule things. Things like the Ecobee thermostat can also use be used as an occupancy and motion sensor, and even a, a Siri. Uh, you know, you can use Siri with the new Ecobee thermostat. So, if you're, you know, if someone's going to get one HomeKit device uh, in their home, a smart thermostat is a really great one uh, to to use, and uh, I think it's useful and fun also. Absolutely, my parents have, as I mentioned, they love having a Honeywell um, thermostat because it means that they can control the heating when they go away to their holiday home they have a schedule set up that says actually if we're not here because home kit has some sort of okay geofencing stuff going on it's it's actually not bad I've, I've had great success with it but you can say when we're not here keep the heating at this you know amount because unlike florida our temperatures do drop into single degrees digits and we do need to make sure that the pipes don't freeze over you know particularly in the north of England, where my parents are. Um, (laughs) So, Stephen, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Where can people find you and where can people find your content so we can uh, sort of um, point them in the right direction? Yeah, I tweet everything out that I do. So you can follow me on Twitter, at Stephen Robles. Uh, My YouTube channel is Bearded Teacher. You know, I got a lot of fun content on there. And then Apple Insider Shows. I got the Apple Insider Podcast and the HomeKit Insider Podcast. And I'm on both of those. So those are fun. Excellent. And you and Andrew do such a great job uh, on HomeKit Insider. So, and obviously, Andrew had his big cabinet project as well over the last year or so. And just seeing you you both actually use HomeKit practically day-to-day, you're not just talking about it. You know, we've already talked, you use this in your day-to-day. And, you know, I love HomeKit. I love some of the stuff that you guys uh, talk about and some of the questions you answer. So thank you for that. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. It's it's fun to do, and it's fun to know that people out there enjoy it, listen to it, and are doing their own smart homes because of it. So thank you again, Stephen, for your time. It's been an absolute privilege. So please do follow us on Twitter, CrosswiresMG. You can email podcast at crosswires.net for any questions you might have. And, of course, if you're not on social media, I'm happy to pass those on Stephen for you. That's not a problem at all. You can leave comments at crosswise.net for each episode. And, of course, if you're a good pods listener, you can have a discussion on the episode there as well. Please do make sure you like, subscribe, do anything that your your podcast app allows you to sort of rate us. We'd really appreciate it. And, of course, make sure you come back for more episodes. Take care. (laughs) 